0: Hello, and welcome to the Compatible You podcast, where we speak weekly about all things from women's health and wellness to body image and dismantling toxic diet culture. We talk to break down the shame and stigma about what makes us us. I think it's always great to share our lived experiences with certain topics like body shame and eating disorders, as it can provide a great perspective to others. However, I also think it is super important to hear from individuals who are qualified in certain areas for many reasons, from, you know, the education they've gained through their studies, what their qualification actually means, and also, yeah, to provide that other perspective and insight. And my guest today embodies just that, which is exciting. Today, I'm lucky to have Amanda on here today to chat about some topics from the perspective of an accredited practicing dietitian. Amanda is an adelaide-based dietitian who is known on instagram as made by mandy welcome amanda how are you going today hello i'm going well thank you thanks for having me that's all right i appreciate it like yeah you're definitely a busy person so definitely appreciate jumping on here excellent so i guess um if you could i'd love for you to just give a bit
1: of an introduction um, about who you are and what you do yeah, sure. So um, my name's Amanda, or I also go by Mandy or made by Mandy on Instagram. And I've been working as a dietitian since, uh, t- well, I graduated from uni in 2020. So just heading into my second year now as a dietitian, which has been yeah really, really great. I've really enjoyed working with a range of different clients. So I'm currently spread across um, three clinics in Adelaide and working with a whole different range of clients from just general chronic disease management like diabetes um, and then on like another spectrum, a lot of eating disorders and disordered eating as well. So that pretty much sums up my work as a dietitian. And then I guess the other side of my work um, involves lots of recipe development and and recipe testing for brands, which is always a fun and creative side of, of the job as well. So, yeah, it's a really good balance
0: yes i do um look at some of your recipes and get inspiration from them they always (laughs) delicious so i love that um so yeah well congrats on graduating from your um dietitian bachelors can you kind of talk about what someone needs to i guess study and what
1: qualifications you need to be a dietitian yeah of course so Here in Adelaide, um, the only uni that offers dietetics is Flinders University. So in order to become an accredited practicing dietitian, you either have to do a Bachelor of Dietetics or a Master of Dietetics. Um, And then that pretty much just covers everything from food service dietetics to clinical dietetics and everything in between. And then once you've completed that course, you then become accredited with Dietitians Australia, which is like the accrediting body for all dietitians in Australia. Um, And then you work kind of with them to do some professional development as well in your first 12 months. So you're kind of known as a provisional dietitian. And then after you've done all of like your mentoring and supervision and your professional development, then you are a full accredited practicing dietitian. So yeah, it's mainly just either the bachelor course or the master's course. Incredible. I think a lot of people kind of, I guess, cause there
0: is a lot of misconceptions and I guess like um, basically crap out there about food and dieting. Like, I think it's pretty hard for some people to, I guess, differentiate, um, you know, qualified individuals and not qualified. So it's good to kind of Give that insight into what you actually do need to be a qualified diet yes. dietitian. So, thank you for that. No worries. Yeah. I guess that's, you know, why it's so crucial to not trust everything you see on social media. Did you, did that kind of inspire you to get into this work
1: or? Yeah, a little bit, especially like now when you scroll online, there's just, you know, a case for every different topic. Like you could see within like five minutes of scrolling on Instagram, um, someone saying to go vegan, someone saying go pale go keto and it's yeah there's a lot of kind of um blurry information out there which can be really difficult to decipher if you know you're not aware of that food and nutrition education so it really helps talking to a dietitian to get more of a credible and unbiased view when it comes to what to eat how to eat and all of that kind of stuff so yeah really important
0: Definitely. I like that unbiased term because, yeah, I think, yeah, a lot of people kind of have an experience with something and then, I guess, preach that as gospel. So to have yes. that unbiased approach is definitely necessary. Yeah. Um, So my listeners know that I recovered from an eating disorder and I've talked about it before how I didn't know until, I guess, I went through recovery that dietitians can be a part of um I guess holistic treatment yeah, team that's it. Yeah. you touched touch on that before so it'd be really great if you could kind of talk about your role I guess as a dietitian
1: in that um yeah. recovery realm absolutely and I guess with eating disorders and disordered eating it's such a complex condition where you really do need to have Um, like a whole broad spectrum of team members involved so whether it's your GP dietitian um, a psychologist or a psychiatrist and each of those health professionals do play a really important part um, in the individual's recovery and I guess from a dietitian's point of view we're really there to help um, I guess re or teach teach the person what nutrition really is and kind of drawing back into what we just touched on there is so much misinformation out there and kind of letting the dietitian get right back down to basics of what does it mean to actually re-nourish your body without all of the kind of blurred information that we see online that focuses on weight loss and things like that so really kind of getting back down to basics of how can we nourish your body especially um you know, a lot of eating disorders don't involve weight restoration, but if they do, it looks at how can we uh, provide a semi-structured meal plan when, when necessary to make sure that the individual is restoring weight as well. So looking at um, higher energy foods, um, lower fiber foods as well, so we're not filling up on, on too much volume and we can kind of get enough energy in as well. Um, But I guess overall, it's kind of like setting a good example and sharing what, what healthy eating is. And I think that's a term that can be interpreted very differently for a lot of people. And I think it's really important to emphasize that healthy eating can mean something different for everyone. So an example I like to use is when it comes to someone who is recovering from an eating disorder, the option of going for a burger and chips is going to be healthier than a salad. And that's not necessarily what society deems as a healthier option, but it just shows that healthy means something different to every single person. And that's what we really need to focus on. And in terms of eating disorder recovery, what does a healthy option or what does a healthy um, meal plan look for that person as well? And, And really kind of trying to, ensure that we're we're putting it in a positive light as well because obviously there is a lot of fear associated with different foods as well um, in eating disorders.
0: 100% and I think that's probably what I struggled with the most um, from like my personal experience like Exactly. I'd kind of grown up where people said, you know, that food's bad, that's unhealthy. Yes. Whereas me, I had to kind of stop my eating disorder voice trying to trick me into thinking I yep. was doing the right thing. That's it. So when yeah. I did, yeah, when I did opt for the burgers and chips, that was definitely my go-to, I guess, fear food. Yep. And when I did kind of overcome that, it was weird to kind of um battle through that mental fight of being mm. like, oh, this isn't what society deems as healthy, but for me, it's probably
1: the most healthy thing I could eat for my mental health yeah yeah yeah. and even like re um restructuring or I guess in terms of like we've got so many food labels and we see them all the time redefining what those what those words mean and and I think as well when it comes to redefining what health means also looking at how we use certain foods to describe different different foods so sorry certain words to describe different foods so often times we'll see marketing refer to a sweet as a bad food and then a salad as good. And really just kind of getting rid of those labels and remembering that food holds no moral value, it doesn't define us, there's there's no correlation between our food and our worth and, and so on. So, yeah, when it comes to those labels, they really do play such a strong part in challenging those fear foods. 100%
0: 100% like when you were young and you did something wrong, they're like, oh, you're bad. So I was like, okay, yeah. if I'm eating this bad food, that means that I'm doing this bad thing. But it's like, yeah, yeah it. it's like that light bulb moment when you realize food does actually not hold any moral powers. It's like, right. yeah, it's yeah. eye-opening.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, how do you find um clients who you work with who do have an eating disorder, I guess, respond to your treatment? Like, is there some resistance or like, are they... Expecting like a meal plan and
1: to be quite rigid in that, like that's just my perspectives from my experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's yeah, that's pretty much the the bulk of the clients that I do see that do have eating disorders. There's a lot of resistance at first, and and as well because I'm in private practice, not a clinical dietitian, it's oftentimes like a parent bringing their child who has an eating disorder Um, and the the child doesn't really want to be there. So I guess not really engaging in the sessions, which is like so understandable as well. So it's really just the first session and, you know, the first few sessions are just trying to focus on building rapport with with the client and, and making sure that they do feel comfortable, uh, making sure that the, the sessions feel free of judgment and anything like that. Um, and then we start to work on breaking down a lot of the food rules and, and oftentimes in private practice, it doesn't really involve a meal plan just because I don't really like giving too many restricted, well, I guess I don't want them to feel like they have to follow something and that there's an upper limit of something. Whereas if you're in the hospital setting, there often is a meal plan for more of like your medical needs. Like it's, it would be, it wouldn't be safe to not have that meal plan and to not make sure that they're hitting like a adequate calorie goal. So yeah, there's a little bit of a difference um, in, in both, in both scopes, I guess.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I guess I love that approach of, I guess, like every experience is different and the fact that, yeah, you are trying to make that, that non-judgment environment, because I think, especially when I was reaching out for help, that was probably my biggest fear of just, reaching out for help and then being Mm. met by judgment. And it's like, why did I even reach out for help? So that's really great to hear. Mm. And I guess what kind of advice would you give to maybe, maybe someone with an eating disorder who might be wanting to reach out or like you said, the parents who are
1: bringing Mm. their child in, what
0: kind of advice would you give them for their first encounter?
1: I guess for someone that has an eating disorder or maybe thinks that they have some disordered eating behaviors, I think the first thing to even have a thought of reaching out is excellent because oh, oftentimes yeah. Yeah. yeah because oftentimes that's one of the hardest places to get to, you know, just mm-hmm. acknowledging that something's off and that you do need help. And also remembering that it's a sign of strength to ask for help and to feel as though you need help. It's not a sign of weakness. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we can get so in our heads about it, thinking, oh, I can handle this by myself. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. So-and-so also acts like this at school. And I think that's also quite dangerous as well, because we begin to normalize such uh, disordered eating behaviors as well. So we think that oh, it's no big of a deal. It's normal. Someone so does it as well. Oh, this person that I follow online does it, but actually thinking, okay, if this is getting to the point where it's affecting my quality of life, it's stressing me out, even just a slightly, like slightly, then it's worth seeking help. And I think, you know, Maybe taking a parent um, or a sibling, someone that you feel that you can trust, or if there's no one that you that you can think of going by yourself, I think also, if possible and if you have access to it, finding a dietitian who does specialize in eating disorders or health at every size is really important as well, just to have a little bit more confidence in in what you can expect. Um, but as but again, in saying that, uh, it it all depends on accessibility and what's available so seeing um just a general dietitian is going to be better than none at all and then i guess in terms of um from the parents perspective just supporting uh if it's your child supporting your child in um, their decision to go see a dietitian um i think as well the child often feels, you know. I, also, I'm saying child in the case of talking about child and parent relationship, but yeah, also 100%, knowing yeah. that it can no age, anyone, yeah, yeah, any age. Um, but being being there more as a support person as well, um, without judgment as well, I think is really important. Maybe you know you're going with your son or your daughter who hasn't told you the full story. Uh, they're a bit worried of what. what you might think you know you can even um, ask to just chat to the dietitian one-on-one first and then bring mum or dad or whoever it is in later just being really supportive um, and non-judgmental i think that's pretty much the main thing of those first few sessions and and then later on it i mean it changes with different approaches to recovery but um oftentimes there's family-based therapy working with a psychologist or a psychiatrist Um, and the family will often have a bigger role in the individual's recovery but that's probably a little bit further down the track as well and if you're working with um, a psychologist or a psychiatrist
0: yeah amazing that's a huge thing that you've touched on yes just that whole judgment is like like you said it's such a big thing to even think about taking the steps to reach for help so just we kind of need to support them in any way we can can't we so we're not kind of pushing them back to kind of feeling ashamed and like that everyone's going to judge them. So that's really, yeah, I love yeah, that you touched amazing. on that. Um, you did touch on it as well about the, I guess, the normalization of certain mm. behaviors, certain disordered eating. And it's like you read my mind. I was like, that's one of the questions you <laughs> wanted to go on um, because that's very true. I think, again, part of my experience, one was the kind of shame associated with it, but it's also the fact that what I was seeing on social media, I guess some people I was friends with and stuff like that, they were doing the same. So it's kind of like, well, is it an issue? Is it something wrong? Because yeah, that's, yeah. it's so normal. And I guess as a dietitian, what's, I guess, your perspective on how diet culture can impact on someone's,
1: I guess, perception of their body, their body image? Mm. Yeah, good question. I think when it comes to diet culture, especially nowadays with social media, it is very easy for it to kind of just slowly filter into your mind, um, especially when it comes to things that might not appear as laden in diet culture, like following a food account. And then the food account starts to focus more on quote unquote healthy recipes. And then they might start to show something like what I eat in a day recipes and something like that. You know, it might not be an like a diet culture and all over it. But the more we see it day to day, second to second, it slowly seeps in the back of our brain and we start to, subconsciously compare ourselves to that person, compare our eating habits, our meals. And I think especially with the rise of TikTok, I know that there have been a few studies that show that the rise of TikTok and and what I eat in a day content and things like that have also increased numbers of disordered eating and eating disorders. I know that Triple J Hack did a really interesting investigation into that as well. So I think it's just it's quite insidious as, as well to think about how... It easily it can kind of just trickle into the back of your mind you don't think that you're watching anything that wrong or you know it, it's not inherently wrong but you don't think you're watching anything that could be harmful in the long run and then as things move on you start to question should I be eating this should I be wearing that should I be doing more exercise and that's kind of when it starts to go down more of a slippery slope.
0: Yeah, it's Like they plant that seed and it's like, yeah. you know, we're not, we're not being overtly wrong in what we're doing here, but we just think about this and then we'll see how it affects you later yeah, on in life. hundred percent. And I think it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I'm not sure if you were aware of it. I only just recently learned about it, but they TikTok said that they had kind of like banned hashtags that I guess were, you know, yeah. pro-anorexia, um, pro other eating disorders. That's but right individuals have found a way to like mess with that algorithm to still yes, have those alive and it's like how are we living in this i know where we have this kind of stuff still going around
1: yeah, it's ridiculous yeah it yeah it's yeah it's so saddening especially for a lot of younger people that are a lot more easily influenced as well it's yeah really sad
0: definitely like I remember being young and kind of just having school and then coming home and there was no devices yeah, nothing it. seeped into kind of the personal life or home life Excellent. and now it's like these people just have access to it 24 7 and I just I know, really yeah really feel for the young generation kind of growing up in this social yep. world for sure yeah 100% beautiful um oh I would like to just finish on I guess from a, a dietitian's perspective um we hear a lot of the term balance being thrown around but sometimes we're not quite sure what that means. So what does, I guess, a balanced um,
1: food intake look, type, look like to you? Yeah, I think when I think of the word balance, I also I also kind of view it in a way that I also think of the word healthy. So in saying that, I guess balance could mean something different to everyone. And oftentimes we can get a little bit um I guess, too obsessive about making sure that everything is really balanced. Um, An example of this could be uh, like threatening if you don't have greens uh, every day or making sure that all of your main meals have a certain grain or a certain vegetable or a certain this. And I think it's good in essence to strive for a good variety of foods, but I think in terms of balance, focusing more on perhaps a balance throughout the week. So instead of just focusing um, on one day and making sure you're getting a diverse range of plant-based foods, legumes, things like that, maybe try focusing on a week so that you don't feel as though you have to beat yourself up if you've had no vegetables one day because really that's just completely normal and that's just what happens sometimes when we're really busy and we or we're just craving something that naturally just doesn't. Doesn't have vegetables in it so I think looking at balance on a weekly view trying to make sure that we are getting a diverse range of foods so getting enough fruit and vegetables in as well um, trying to change what kind of vegetables we have as well especially um, now that, prices for veggies are going through the roof at the supermarket (laughs) yeah it's a it's a good opportunity to maybe try some different vegetables that you wouldn't normally that may be a little bit cheaper so things like cabbage and and um, pumpkin as well they tend to be on special at the moment and then um, I guess the other thing in terms of balance is making sure that we're eating enough and I think a lot of the time people stress over am I eating too much but we often need to just take a step back and reconsider, am I actually eating enough and enough of certain foods as well? Like, like whole grains and fiber, um, legumes as well. So I think, yeah, overall, when it comes to balance, really trying to prioritize variety when it comes to our weekly food intake and making sure that we're eating enough every day to to fuel our bodies and that we're making sure that we're feeling sustained after each meal and and really listening to our bodies in terms of what do we feel like eating versus what we what we think we should be eating as well
0: i love that and i like to be honest it is so refreshing to hear someone say you know eating healthy doesn't have to be so expensive. And it's not like, um, I guess, you know, there's a bit of privilege sometimes around, um, I guess the perspective of healthy eating where everything has to be organic or has to be this or that. So it's really refreshing to hear that from, yeah, someone qualified to speak on that. Yeah, Excellent. Well, thank you so much for jumping on. It's been yeah great to kind of hear the perspective of a dietitian in terms of eating disorders and diet culture. Um, if my listeners are interested in um, finding out more about you or your services, where could they find you?
1: Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Instagram at made by Mandy. So it's made by dot Mandy. And then over on my website at www.madebymandy.me. Uh, and then anything else, you can just send me a DM on Instagram, but yeah, they're the main two places.
0: Yes, definitely. Highly recommend. You've got some delicious recipes. I'm actually looking at some of them. Right <laughs> oh, thank you. Instagram. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for jumping on. I'm sure my listeners are definitely going to, um, yeah, get some valuable insight from this podcast. So thank oh, you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Emma. It's been a pleasure to chat to you. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.